Hi, you're listening to Ed Stetzer Live. Uh, my name's Ed Stetzer, and I come at you this and every Saturday at this time. I'm actually broadcasting uh, remotely. I'm actually near uh, Notre Dame University and uh, at the Vineyard Church. I've actually been doing a, a meeting with the regional leaders of the Vineyard Church and other and other groups and denominations that came together. I love the body of Christ and the privilege to minister and to encourage people from different denominational traditions. So I'm actually, as I said, I'm broadcasting live from here. And, uh, you know, this every Saturday we talk about dif- different issues. We cover different issues that kind of walk around some of the uh, challenging spaces of our time and our culture. And, and the reality is when we look at... Um, we kind of look at the issues around us. We can, we can look at the challenges in culture, and they're there. And we can look at how we are seeking to show and share the love of Jesus, and those things can be challenging and more. And in the midst of all that, we can we also have to recognize, though, that relationships themselves can be challenging, can be complex. One of the things that um, I, I wrote an article years ago uh, from a course I taught. I, course, I taught a course in uh, Malaysia, and it was teaching. I was teaching missionaries in Penang, Malaysia. And I was explaining to them that the, uh, it was about relationships, actually a course on multicultural teams, but had a section on relationships. I explained that the number one reason that missionaries leave the mission field is actually, uh, might be surprising. It's actually not because they, uh, you know, they got burned out. Well, I guess it could be related to that, but in in a sense, it wasn't because they, they gave up on the work of the mission. They gave up on the advancing of the gospel. It's actually because they couldn't get along with other missionaries. That's the number one reason people leave mission work is that their di- difficulty in get along, getting along with other missionaries. And I was just struck by that. And, and, and I've, I've, I've shared that in a lot of different contexts. I think it kind of speaks to the fact that it is a challenge for us to get along sometimes with one another. And sometimes that requires a real passion for relationship and a strong willingness to reconcile, including apology and more. And so today we're going to talk about that and and we're going to take your calls as well as we always do. I want to kind of talk through some of these things with you, Um, but we're going to join, have our guests join us to, in this conversation, we're actually going to talk to Dr. Jennifer Thomas. Dr. Thomas is a uh, motivational speaker specializing in the five love languages. You know, we, we all are familiar. We've had Gary Chapman on the program before and his, his book, five love languages. I mean, gosh, it's, there was an article at Christianity today recently about, about uh, Gary Chapman saying, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's famous, but doesn't know he's famous. I mean, this is like everywhere I go, people talk about the five language love languages. I've, I mean, I've seen it on like, like, talk shows around the world that aren't Christian, people talk about this. But it's also spawned kind of a uh, a, a sense that people want to, uh, to know more details about this. How does this work in different places? How does it work at, uh, you know, there, there's five love languages for children. There's all these different versions of this. And, uh, and, and Dr. Thomas, who's, who's, who's joining us today, she's actually co-author of uh, I think a, a book you find really helpful. It's called the Five Apology Languages. Also, also she she wrote Making Things Right at Work, and her books have actually been translated into fifteen foreign languages. Have sold hundreds of thousands of copies uh, around the world, and so we're super excited to have uh, her on the program. And maybe you want to text somebody and say, "Hey, this is something we want to listen to. We want to figure out how to walk through this relationship." Because it's not just I started this the program talking about missionaries who might struggle to get along. But this relates to marriages, this relates to the parents and children. This relates, well, Dr. Thomas actually talks some about the things at work as well. So, so Dr. Thomas, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. 
I'm glad to be with you, Ed. It's a beautiful morning here in North Carolina, and I'm glad to join you and your audience. Well, great, great to have you. It's not a beautiful morning here where I am in uh, <laughs> um, outside of Notre Dame. It's raining and it's a mess, but you know that's you live in North Carolina where it's always sunny. So that's I like that about <laughs> you. So, but uh, so good to have you on the program. And let's 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 talk a little bit about this. You know, we live in a really angry and divided world. People are really quick to demean one another. Families have split uh, over mm-hmm. politics. Uh, forgiveness seems like a or whatever you know all kinds of things. Forgiveness seems like a foreign concept. How do we begin to find our way back, and how do apologies fit into that? Yeah, so what we know is when we have two or more humans trying to get along, inevitably, people are going to step on each other's toes, and feelings are going to get hurt. And when that happens, when we get offended or angry or hurt, then we have a barrier between ourselves and the other person or the group. And as you mentioned, you know, people are getting testy these days. There's a big political divide that we're dealing with. But ultimately, what we want is to have peace with each other. We want safety, peace, productivity, all the good things in life. And so the passion that Gary Chapman and I have is to help people to be able to remove the barriers that are created by conflict and to be able to get back to working productively with each other. But one caveat we do like to say is that not all conflict is bad. Sometimes we need to have a disagreement or have something get aired out. The problem is unresolved conflict. And when individuals, families, friends, or companies get stuck there, that's where Gary Chapman and I are coming along with a new concept. And that is that different people have different things that they want to hear in an apology. Which is which is fascinating to me, and of course, um, we're excited to have this conversation with you, uh, because I'm I'm I apologize a lot. I think uh, I think that's a good thing. Apologize to my kids, apologize to my wife, but I also have I noticed that. that people receive that differently. I mean, they receive you know depending on who they are, they receive it differently as well. Let me also mention to our listeners that we're gonna we actually have some copies of the five apology languages by Dr. Jennifer Thomas and Dr. Gary Chapman that we're gonna give away not just randomly. We want like brilliant, insightful callers like like our callers always are here on Ed's Deaths Are Live. And our call-in number is 877-548-3675. So we're all, I mean, I don't know all, but probably most of us are familiar with the idea of love languages, that people receive love in a different way. Um, Tell us about the apology languages and how do people receive apologies in different ways? Yes, so the idea actually came out of my own marriage. I am a counselor, and so I wish in some ways I could say that it came out of my counseling, but it was actually a disagreement that my husband and I were having one night at the end of a long work week, and I made a mistake, and I kind of flippantly said, I'm sorry, and tried to move on from it, but JT wasn't having it. He was in a bad mood, and I thought, oh, it's going to be a long weekend here, Um, and so (laughs) I asked him, well, what's wrong, and he said, well, I just wish you would apologize. Now, if you or your listeners have ever said, I'm sorry, and it seemed like it just went right over the other person's head, it's so frustrating. And so then he was offended, but then I was offended too, because he ignored me saying, I'm sorry. And so normally I might've gotten really frustrated, but I actually got curious. And so I said, well, JT, I said, I was sorry. It sounds like that didn't really register. What were you waiting to hear from me? And he knew right away. And here I want to pause and invite you and your listeners to think about what what was this guy waiting for? Because the answer may be your primary apology language as well. 
So Ed, do you have a, a guess of what JT wanted to hear? I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm actually intrigued because <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> You're think just of like, like, just following like, along. Yeah, because I think like sometimes we see like in the movies, you know, when when the, the, the husband apologizes to the wife, you often mm -hmm. see there are flowers coming and they say this is a sign of that. So so mm -hmm. maybe he wanted flowers. I don't know. You tell me. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, in his case, he said, I wanted to hear you say you were wrong. Oh, and so okay. that's one of our primary apology languages. It's accepting responsibility. And the another one is expressing regret or saying, I'm sorry. And here's the difference between the two. I can be sorry that something happened to you without accepting any responsibility at all. So right. it's kind of a shame that I'm sorry seems to be our reflexive default in our society uh, because it is limited in that way. And JT picked right up on that. Um, now, I will say I was willing to say I was wrong. To me, they were synonyms. And so I said, okay, JT, I was wrong. And I was struck by how much that meant to him. And things cleared up where there had been tension. It was much more relaxed. And I thought, you know, these people we marry, they don't come with an instruction book, but I'm actually going to write this down <laughs> and remember. And I wish someone had told me that when I and married him 10 years before that. Um, so we were volunteering at our church as premarital counselors. And of course, the very next day was our day to teach. So we went in and said jokingly, you know, we've got a fresh argument to share with you all here in this class. And while you probably know your fiance's love language, what we're realizing is that they may have a preferred apology language as well. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't had to apologize to them yet, you certainly will by your wedding day, I'm sure. So we gave them a few minutes to break out into couples and to talk about what was the script for apology when you were growing up? And what are those magic words to you? And we, we got some really interesting responses. Like I remember one young woman said, my mom used to always say, uh, sorry doesn't matter. It's actions that matter. Hmm. And um, so guess what? When her fiance would say, either I'm sorry or I was wrong, she was basically telling him, talk is cheap. I need for you to make amends, which became our third apology language. So as I thought about this, I got curious about whether Gary Chapman, who I knew somewhat through professional connections, whether he had ever thought about this connection, connection between apologies and love languages in that we're waiting to hear a specific thing from people and they don't realize it. And we may kind of check it off and move on, but they're stuck. They're waiting to get something really sincere from us. So I took the idea to Gary Chapman and he was really captivated by it. He said, you know, I've never thought about this, but the same thing happens with my wife and I, she'll say, I'm sorry. And I want something else. He's left thinking mm -hmm. and give me something more here. So they had the same gender breakdown that we did, although we sometimes find couples where it's flip-flopped as well. So we embarked on some research to find out everything that people want in apologies. And after surveying hundreds of readers, what we found is that their answers fell into five categories. And we kind of laughed because I promised we weren't looking for five, although we know right, he really right. likes that number. <laughs> so those became the five apology languages. And what he has said is that this concept stands shoulder to shoulder with the love languages, that these together are the two essentials 
for healthy relationships because it's great to have love and appreciation, but if you can't resolve those conflicts, you're always going to struggle. Yeah, so good, so good. And we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. And we're going to go through those apology languages as well with Dr. Jennifer Thomas. She's our guest. And we're talking about the five apology languages, her new book with Dr. Gary Chapman. And we're going to take your calls in just a moment too. Maybe you've got questions. How do I apologize? Um, how do I not apologize? And more. So you're, we're taking your calls. We we'll invite you to call in and join us in the conversation. 877-548-3675 here on Moody Radio. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at moodypublishers.com. Hey, we're back in Sensor Live having a fascinating conversation. I think about a fascinating book that, I don't know, intuitively, I think we all think this probably makes sense. Now, we started talking about apologies, and I think we all sort of, uh, Jen Jennifer Thomas is our guest, and she's written this book, The Five Apology Languages, along with Gary Chapman. I think we've all, I hope, we've all sort of gotten to the place that we recognize that it's a shallow thing to say, I'm sorry you were offended, or I'm sorry you got mad. And so hopefully we've gotten to that place that genuine apologies take ownership and more. But I, I think one of the things that we've seen, and a lot of us have seen in our relationships, and, and, and Jennifer Thomas and Gary Chapman saw in their research, is that um, people receive apologies differently, maybe depending on their wiring or their, or their languages. So, so um, can you just walk us through, Jennifer, the uh, five apology languages so we can get a general idea and then we'll follow up with some questions and also take some calls too. Let me invite our callers, 877 548 Three six seven five. We're going to talk about apologies, but kind of walk us through those five apology languages. Okay, I'll do that. And as I go, one thing that interests people is how common are these, or for how many people is this the mm. most important apology language? So I'm going to throw in some percentages too, and these are really hot off the press. Oh, nice, uh, so nice. for the first first apology language, we found that 37 percent of people are going to be satisfied if you just say, I'm sorry, or if you express regret. And an equal percentage are going to be happy if you accept responsibility and say, I was wrong. So as you can see, that covers a lot of people. But the next three still cover about 25% of people. So they want our third apology language, which is making restitution or making amends. We found that 11% of people most want you to say, I need to make you whole again. I need to make this right. I'm not just going to talk a good game about this, but I'm actually going to use action. I'm going to either spend my time or my money or some other resource to help bring you back to where you were before I created this problem. And this is actually where the five love languages can tie in because if I'm going to give you something to make up, for what I messed up, it can be helpful if I know your love language. So I know, mm. do you want gifts or do you want words of affirmation? Do you want some of my time? What would really show you how sincere I am in my apology? 
And then moving on to our fourth apology language, 12% of people most want this. We call it a plan for change. And it's telling them specific steps that you're going to take to prevent a reoccurrence of the problem in the future. And I find that this one is very popular, for example, with business managers, for people who keep the office running. If you make a mistake at work, they don't just want to know, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I shouldn't have done that, I accept responsibility. They want to know that it's not going to keep happening because especially if it's been a pattern, they are going to lose patience with you and they want to know what guardrails are you going to put in place so that you're not going to keep messing up in this way. And then our final apology language, which was only most important to 3% of people, is actually a question, and that is, will you please forgive me? So the request for forgiveness, we think, is very closely tied to the family of origin. And that is, if your parents expected you to ask for forgiveness when you made a mistake, then you're going to expect that from people, especially in two situations. One is if you, if this problem is serious, and two is if it's repeated. That's when you're going to really be waiting for the thing that you most want to hear. For small things, we might accept I'm sorry or a quick my bad, but it's when it's a pattern or when the stakes are high that people are not going to understand how sincere you are unless you match your words to their primary apology language. Interesting. So express regret, accept responsibility, make restitution, plan for change, request forgiveness. So one of the questions that I had is, and then again, we're going to go to our calls. We remind people again, 877-548-3675. I guess when I hear those, I'm thinking that's kind of a natural progression and maybe not in every day, you know, something in a relational issue, maybe someone in close family, but that seems like something that all five of those seem like good and appropriate things, but are we saying that that's not necessary or we lead with one more than the other? Because when I think of the love languages, that's the way I think of it. So how do we think of it with apology languages? Do different people receive different ways? Yeah, you're exactly right. These can also be seen as steps to a complete apology. And if you're giving a public apology or if you don't know what the person's primary apology is, then we do recommend that you use all five. But the key is most of us aren't going to take the time to do all five. And so if you're only going to do one or a couple of these apology languages, make sure you don't leave out the one that's most important to them. What we have learned is that the evidence of sincerity for apologies differs from person to person. And so if you leave out that most important one, then they may not get it. You may end up missing it with each other, just like my husband and I were doing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I would see in a, in a marriage relationship, I'm thinking about Donna, I'm married to Donna is that, um, she would, it wouldn't necessarily have to go through all five, but there are things that would matter more to her and then things that would matter, uh, more to me. So let's, let's go to some calls again. Mm-hmm. Let me remind, um, our, our, our listeners that they can call in, uh, and at eight, seven, seven, five, four, eight, three, six, seven, five, we're going to go first to D in Chicago. D you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? D are you there? Okay, don't hear D, so we'll we'll move away from there. But we'll come back in just a moment to other calls as well. Uh, so let let me kind of ask this because a lot of times someone may say, "I'm sorry," 
but people doubt the sincere. I mean, I, I don't think I like, I think it regularly happens. People are like, well, I think you're just saying that. So how can uh, we both be sincere? How can a person maybe even be confident an apology is sincere? So give it from both sides. How do we give and receive sincere apologies? Yeah, so one of the things we need to do is to avoid the common pitfalls. And we see this all the time with apologies where, you know, tone of voice means a lot. Are you saying, oh, I'm so sorry, or sorry, which is what we often get if we make our kids apologize, either to <laughs> That us sounds like my teenagers, or exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And I used to work in a residential treatment center where often the teenagers um, were they would only say they were sorry when they were having consequences. So it was more like, I'm sorry I got caught than I'm sorry I did it. They weren't sincere about it. And so that that's a real challenge as we grow into adulthood is to understand, you know, I need to accept responsibility for my mistakes and to recognize that we shouldn't try to pass the blame. I view blame as like a hot potato that we're too often trying to pass on to the next person around the circle. Um, but what we need to do is to realize you, sometimes you got to swallow your pride and say, this is on me. I, I don't have any excuse to make. I failed in this way Mm. and be specific Mm. about what you did wrong, what you're sorry for so that they understand that you really get it. Yeah, I think that's so so key because again, it's it's I'm sorry can mean it's not a great word in English because I mean I'm sorry I got caught I'm sorry you're mad all kinds of different things. Let's go to Marla in Florida. Right. Marla, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Marla, we are hi. Not, are you? Um, my name is Maria. Oh, is I'm sorry. Maria? That's a, that's why you're great. You're great. Is Maria? Go for it. Okay. Well, I had a situation recently that I conveyed something to my sister in confidence. And at the beginning of the conversation, I told her this, I don't want this to go any further. It was not something that related to me. It was something that related to one of my granddaughters. And I said, I really don't want this shared with anybody else in the family. Well, uh, about a week later, she sent me a text message. She lives in another state that she had discussed it with her daughter. And this was her daughter's advice. So I reached out to her and I said, I really didn't want this shared, which is why I told you at the beginning of the conversation that it was the utmost confidence. Well, -hmm. then she responded and said, well, I think that my daughter went through something like that and I just felt that she would be able to give you good advice. Now I'm 72, her daughter is 20. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. going, maybe she could, maybe she couldn't, but that wasn't the point. So I told my sister I was very upset with her because she violated a trust. And she responded by saying, well, I only told my daughter. I didn't tell any of our sisters or anybody else in the family. And, and she said, maybe you're just ashamed. And that's why you didn't want it to go any further. And I said, it has nothing to do with shame. It has to do with the fact that you violated my trust. And, you know, I just feel very badly about that. I said, and you've never apologized. You haven't said you're sorry for doing that, and you're taking no responsibility for doing that. And then she just texted me back and said, I understand. Hmm. And I was kind of lost because I'm like, well, I've already told you, you know, you violated the trust several times, and you tell me you understand, but you're still not apologizing or taking responsibility. And my Mm -hmm. sister is someone that we communicate with on a daily basis, even though we live on opposite sides of the United States. And ever since then, it's like 
we only talk maybe once a week or maybe twice a week, and there's very little communication. And I've reached mm-hmm. out to her and told her, you know, maybe we just need to put this behind behind us and move on. And I feel like I'm willing to do that, but now there is no communication, and I really don't know where to go at that point. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see if we can get some kind of feedback on that. Maria's got a great question. She has an unresolved, um, without an apology situation. How how might she proceed? Yeah. So let me say first, Maria. I'm sorry to hear that you're going through that. Um, it's very painful when you confide in someone and you trust them, and then that trust is broken. One clarifying question I'd like to ask is: Have you talked with your sister? about it either over the phone or a Zoom call, or has this all been by text? Let me put her back on here. So hold on a second. Maria, go ahead. Okay. It's all been by text, and we have spoken since then. But when I had texted her, I had said, maybe we need to just table this and put it behind us because she's coming to visit me in a few months, and I thought it would be better to talk to her face-to-face because so much is lost in translation when you're texting or on the phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yes, Maria, you're right that we do lose so much when we're using electronic methods of communication. I gave a TEDx talk a few years ago on the topic of apologies, and I said for our valuable relationships, they're too important to let them struggle along with the possibility of a a situation being made worse through miscommunication on top of an offense like broken trust. So it's really important that you all talk it out, and I hope you'll be able to get it resolved. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that in just a second, too, Maria. If you'll hold in the line, we want to give you a copy of the book that I think will be helpful, The Five Apology Languages. And I want to come back to this and ask a little more on this, Jennifer, in just a moment. Our call number is 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back here at Ed Stetzer Live, and I'm Ed Stetzer. I actually have the privilege of serving as the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I also swear I'm a professor and a dean, and uh, super thankful to be able to host Ed Stetzer Live this and every Saturday at this time on your local station on Moody Radio, partners and affiliates across the country. Our guest today is Jennifer Thomas, and she has written a book before the one we're talking about called Making Things Right at Work, which I think is super helpful. But then she's written the five apology languages, the five apology languages. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, Maria had just talked a little bit before the break, and we kind of had to we had to finish up real quickly there. And Jennifer, I want to give you a little more time to unpack that because I mean, there's kind of a stuck point that she's in um, with this, you know, relational breakdown, and the probably you know she received kind of well, you know, I understand. Well, that's not that's not an apology. So how do we respond in those situations where an apology is not forthcoming, let alone an apology in the language, the love language, or excuse me, the apology language that we would desire? Right. Well, Maria has done the right thing in trying to lovingly confront her sister. And that's very important to not just let it simmer or to not pull away without giving her sister an idea of what's wrong. So when someone comes to you and says, you know, I was offended by what you did. I'm very upset. You've broken my trust. Then we've got that barrier between the two of us. And what we want to do is to be able to hopefully receive the apology 
in order to make that barrier go away. And then that opens the doorway to forgiveness and a restored relationship. But poor Maria is left kind of holding the bag here because her confrontation hasn't led to the apology that she wanted. And so I just want to validate her and say that the desire to get that apology is God-given. God gave us a sense of right and wrong and moral outrage. And so when our trust is violated and we're hurt by that, we are definitely within God's realm of care, comfort, and understanding. Um, And so my hope is that she will be able to talk this out with her sister. And one last piece of that is since they've got this upcoming visit around the corner, it can be tempting to maybe wait and talk about it face to face, but I would suggest just some free advice would be to talk it out before then the best they can and to hopefully have it resolved before her sister comes so that it won't be a cloud hanging over their visit. Yeah, good, good. And that might actually be the reason. Say, listen, you're going to come out here. Why don't we try to talk this through before you come? There's a lot of maybe opportunity that's there. Great, great insight. Uh, we're going to go to D. Exactly try D again right. in Chicago. D, D, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Okay, we are we are struggling with D. We're going to go to Bill in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Bill, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is, how do we figure out our significant other's apology language? And then is there a way, is there anything in the book or is there a resource to help them um, the person being apologized to, to receive the apology? Oh, those are great questions, Bill. I want you to hold on the line, too, because we're going to give you a copy of the book, so that can answer some of those questions. But but super question. Uh, how do we figure it out, and how to help people receive it? All right. Yes, thanks for asking that, Bill. So we do have a paper and pencil test in the back of the five apology languages, so you can take it and share it with others. Also on my website, there's a free resources tab at drjenthomas.com. That's D-R-J-E-N-Thomas.com. And at that tab, you can find free online copies of the five love languages quiz and our five apology languages quiz. But if you don't want to do all of that, you can ask a couple of simple questions. Go to the people who you see every day. So those really important people in your life, whether it's at work or at home or with friends, and ask them, when you hear a good apology, what is included or what makes it so good? And then the opposite, when you hear an apology that really stinks, what's usually wrong with it? And chances are that their answer will give you a clue about what they're waiting to hear when you apologize to them. And then turning to the second part about how to receive an apology, I think that's an important area. Uh, We do share some advice in the book about things like um, the best first response when you receive an apology is to thank the person. Um, And then if you didn't feel the apology was necessary, I actually recommend that you tell the person that. You kind of let them off the hook if you say, well, thank you for saying that, but I actually wasn't bothered by it. Or, um, you know, I appreciate you trying to, you know, check in with me about my feelings on that, but it actually didn't bother me. But let's, let's keep the lines of communication open and you can let me know if I offend you and I'll let you know if you offend me. And in that way, it can be a relationship builder. Um, and then a, 
a thing not to do is don't just brush it off. We are, we too often say, oh, it's okay. And that's actually a pet peeve of mine. And I think some other people, because, well, it really wasn't okay if it necessitated an apology. And so that's why we recommend that you say thank you and acknowledge that they've given you something by not brushing it off. And so don't you just brush it off either, but acknowledge the apology with some appreciation if it's a decent apology or an attempt at one. Fascinating. I think I think the um, the downplaying of that is very very common. And maybe maybe it's just you know, this is where mm-hmm. with my, even my own children I would say I, I, I would apologize because I try to be an apologizing dad when I make mistakes, and they would say it's okay, mm-hmm. and I and I would say because I have a relationship with my children that way. Well, it's really not, or else I you know wouldn't have apologized and. I want them mm-hmm. to receive it and, you know, and, and I think that's an important thing, but it's a little harder to do that outside of the very, you know, very loving relationship that I have with my children. Like, and so you wrote a book, another, another of your books is it has to do with doing these things at work, making things right at work. So, so how would you suggest yeah. doing that? I mean, you can kind of walk us through that out of the relationship, like a close family where, where say, well, it's really not, it seems a little weirder to say that to your coworker who says, no, it's fine. Hmm. Right. Yeah. What we run into is, um, you know, how big of a deal do we want to make it? And we don't want to overdo it. I mean, for a very small offense at work, you don't need to use all five apology languages, but you do want to say something that, that hits what they're waiting to hear. So that's where I like to come into companies and give everyone on a team our apology language profile and then post the results so that when they go to apologize to a particular person, they know what they should make sure to include in order for that person to know how sincere they really are. Yeah, good. Okay, good. Helpful. So helpful. Again, we're talking with Jennifer Thomas. Her book is The Five Apology Languages Here. Um, What's the difference between expressing regret and correcting a problem, and how is that important in this conversation? Yeah, so when we express regret, we're not necessarily saying that we're going to fix the problem or we're going to head off the problem because, you know, I could say like, Ed, I'm so sorry that X and such happened to you or happened to your family. I'm not taking any responsibility for that. Right. That's, as you said, it's a limitation of the word, sorry, in the English language. And so for someone who really has been hurt or offended by us, they often are waiting for something more than that. And a simple tip that I share with people is to, stop reflexively saying, I'm sorry. Um, Some people are over apologizers and we spend a couple of pages talking about that in the five apology languages. It's important not to apologize for every little thing because it devalues your apologies. And if you're apologizing just to keep the peace, you may end up resenting the person. A better way to lead into a real apology is with this simple phrase, I apologize. This I call the vanilla base on which you can build a good apology with any of our other apology languages. And what it does is it serves to let the person know that you really care and that you're not going to try to pass the blame or make excuses. So it's actually really refreshing. 
Yeah, I think I think giving us the opportunity to to uh, to start out that apology with clarity. I'm sorry. I apologize. I think that enables mm-hmm. things to move forward well. Like I said, it's the foundation upon which we build. We're talking to Dr. Jennifer Thomas. We got a few more minutes for your call, so it's eight seven seven. Five four eight three six seven five. Maybe you got a question about how to give an apology in a way that can be received, or how to receive the apology that's been given. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five is our number. Going to hear a conversation with Jennifer Thomas and your calls in just a moment here at Ed Stetzer Live. Hey, we are back at Stetzer Live. One more segment together talking to Jennifer Thomas. Uh, the Five Apology Language is, is her book with Gary, Gary, uh, with Gary Chapman. And we're continuing our conversation with your calls as well. We're going to go to Bridget in Ohio. Bridget, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi. I just wanted to clarify, after you apologize, not like with a family member that you know what their apology language is, but like with a stranger or like, you know, a coworker that you don't know, how do you clarify that it was received properly? Like, do you ask them, like, do you accept it? Or, you know, do you just read their body language? How would you know that they accepted it truly? Super good question. If you'll stay on the line too, we want to give you a copy um, of the book. The, The book is the five apology languages, but let's hear from Jennifer Thomas. What do you think? Yeah, Bridget, I think you nailed it. That question is a great direction to go. You can ask them something like, um, you know, well, maybe backing up, saying something about how you value them. You know, our relationship is really important to me, so I want to make sure my apology carried that weight for you. Is there something more that you'd like to hear me say or see me do in order for us to be able to move past this together? Um, So I like the idea of you checking in with them. And then this is also the beauty of our fifth apology language. If you remember that question or the request for forgiveness, it can serve a similar purpose where you can um, ask them to forgive you or a way to do it without putting them on the spot to get an answer right away is you can say something like, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. This would be especially if it was a serious problem, because obviously we're not going to say that for a little minor, you know, I forgot to meet you or I was running late. Um, But if you're really going to wonder if they are still holding it against you, it's okay to ask that. And it can actually be really honoring, especially if you say, I know you may not um, be ready to trust me again right now for something serious. And so I'm going to wait. And when, when you decide that you're ready, I would really like that. So we don't demand their forgiveness on the spot because to do so is making it about us. And I'm, I, I have angst about wanting to get past this. You really show your sincerity when you say, I want to give you what you need and the time and space to rebuild that trust that I've broken. Mm, that's so good. Um, the challenges for a lot of people, I mean, a lot of challenges here. This is, these were, let's just start at the beginning of the show. Relationships are challenging, but it seems hard for some people, and maybe me sometimes, to admit uh, when they're or I'm wrong and to come with an apology. I'm old enough to remember on happy days when Fonzie <laughs> right. couldn't say the words, I was wrong. Um, and so why is it hard for people to, to, to just step into that space when, when, I mean, there's no other path to walk through when someone's been wronged? Exactly. Well, we know pride gets in the way. And 
I, I like the saying sin has an I in the middle. If you think about how sin is spelled and that's the problem, we may not feel comfortable humbling ourselves to apologize. Some of us may have gotten the message in childhood that real men don't apologize or never apologize. And they, they may have taught us that that's the way to get respect, but it's actually the opposite of that. If you think about your mentors or people who you respect and admire the most, chances are that they will apologize when needed and without it having to be pulled out of them. So we just encourage people to practice it. It's a skill that you can build over time and a good way to circle back um, to an apology to let people know that you realize you've stepped on toes is to say this. I'd like to circle back to something that I said or did and then fill in the time and let them know that wasn't how I want to act or that wasn't how I want to come across. I apologize and then describe what you did wrong and going forward, what you're going to do differently. And chances are that it's going to mean a lot to the person. They'll understand that you really get it and they will come to hopefully continue to respect you as much or as more or more than they did before. It's good. I think we got time for one more call. We're going to go to Shirley in uh, Moses Lake, Washington. But Shirley, we need to do it somewhat quickly. But go ahead with your question or your comment. Yes. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, my question is, what if my husband has done wrong and I'm hoping for an apology and I get a kind of a half of an apology, which didn't mean anything. But then during the conversation, he will manipulate the situation and manipulate me to the point where he turns it all around and makes it sound like it's my fault and I should be the one apologizing. And I need help on how to deal with that. Okay. okay let's, let's jump in. Shirley, Jennifer, what do you do... think? We do see this with certain personalities. They may believe that the best defense is a good offense. And in that case, I, as a counselor, I'm going to recommend my own profession. I don't think you can wrangle that or change that on your own. But if you get an ally who can help mediate the situation, sometimes they can serve as a referee to make it more fair for you. Good, 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 clear. A good, clear answer. Because I think that's challenging for sometimes for people to know how best to do that when you're not receiving rightful, uh, when you've been wronged, uh, which kind of maybe yeah. just, let's flip it around to this side too. And by the way, Shirley, I want to give you a copy um, of the book as well. It's called the five apology languages. Um, what if the person, uh, excuse me, what if you don't want to apologize? What if it's on the other side, you're the one who's not ready to bring the apology? Yeah. Well, I'm really glad you raised that question, Ed, because Gary Chapman and I are very clear that you cannot apologize if you don't think you did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is controversial. Some people will it say is. peace at any price, just apologize. Um, but we don't, we are going for sincerity and we don't know how you can apologize sincerely if you don't think you did anything wrong. So in that case, I say pivot to a conversation. So tell the person what you want. You know, I want to restore our relationship. I want to get this cleared up. Tell me again what 
you remember that happened and then restate what they say so that they know you get it. And finally, a good way to kind of thread the needle sometimes is to say what you wish. Like, man, I really wish I had understood that at the time. I wish I could have headed that off. And going forward, I'm going to keep an eye out to try to prevent this. So if you notice, I didn't use the word I apologize. I stayed true to myself in that, but I did let them know I agree there's a problem and we certainly don't want that. Yeah, not not just simply, well, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm not going to apologize. There's still relationship that needs to be built there. And yes. what on the other side, and what if, if the I person... Could've... Go ahead, please. I was going to add a common pitfall is, I'm sorry you felt that way or I'm sorry you saw it that way. That's worse than nothing. Don't say that because it's so invalidating. But say, you know, restate what they said and then say, given what you've explained to me, I really wish I could have headed that off and I want to work harder on that going forward. Go ahead. Yeah, I, th I think the whole, I'm sorry, your feelings were hurt is something I hope now, I, I guess I still hear people say it, but but I hope now we've kind of wised up enough that that's not really helpful. Um, so right. we've got, we got about a minute minute left. And what I, what I want to kind of kind of end with is what exhortation would you have to people? Again, the book is Five Apology Languages. What exhortation would you have to people who are unsure of how to communicate well and apology? I want to encourage them to get the book, The Five Apology Languages, but give us some one minute of exhortation on how to apologize well. Okay. So with the last example um, where we were talking about that you don't want to just say, well, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Some people may still be stuck. Like I said that, I thought that was helpful. The reason it's not helpful is you're basically saying, I'm sorry, you're so sensitive, or I'm sorry, you're too way too sensitive. So we want to get away from that and just validate them and say, you know, you really have a point there. And I hope we can get away from this thing that upset you. Um, and I can see why you were upset if you can say that, if it's true. And then another piece of advice I have around apologies is sometimes interviewers will ask me, what's the best way to apologize? And I hope that what your listeners have picked up today is that it depends. As with the five love languages, would I say, hey, Ed, what's the best way to show love and appreciation? No, I would say it depends on what the recipient is waiting to hear or see. And it's just the same with apology languages. Everyone who has listened today has learned a new thing, that what really matters is what they're waiting to hear. So good. And the new book is just out earlier this year. I want to encourage you to pick it up as well. It's called The Five Apology Languages. It's co-authored with Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas. Jennifer's uh, been our guest today, and we've had really a helpful conversation. I hope you'll be encouraged to apologize well and to receive apologies well. So thanks to my guest, Dr. Jennifer Thomas. Also, thanks to the behind-the-scenes team here at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, engineer, Courtney Young, and Mara Martinez. Mara Martinez, excuse me, is manning the phones today. Tune in next week. We're going to talk to Moody Radio's Brian Dolan, and we're going to talk about his new podcast and the personal journey. It's kind of a storytelling podcast, which I think are pretty fascinating. His journey to understand family conflict and relationships. It's a serial or a sequential podcast. To hear today's program again and to get all the links we mentioned, go to edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.